Hey everyone, this is Miss Akimoto with your next chapter of Flying Solo. So yesterday um, was a longer chapter and it was kind of all about the kids deciding what they were going to do um, once Karen kind of came clean and said that she hadn't told everyone. So Jessica pointed out how dangerous it was what they were doing, that they were breaking the law, that people could get hurt, but the rest of the class kind of voted her down. So we're going to see what happens next. Um, they had started writing, which they, uh, Mr. Fabiano calls their writing time flash drafts, which is sort of a free write time. So um, that's what they were doing when we last left. And this next chapter is called 9.50 a.m. flash drafts. So we're going to be hearing what everyone wrote. So this chapter is broken into different um, journal entries from each student. So, 9.50 a.m., flash drafts. Rachel. Dear Mr. Fabiano, Mom is so worried about me. She says, pick up your voice if you happen to find it on your way to school. Last month, she gave me a card and told me to open it on the bus. You are like a magic caterpillar, she wrote. You surprised, you surprised everyone by spinning a strange and beautiful cocoon, a chrysalis of silence. Soon you will emerge with new wings and will be here when you do. We'll be here to watch you fly. What mom doesn't understand is that my voice isn't lost. I've learned that I can find it whenever I want as soon as I pick up my pen. The moment I start writing words, I can hear the sound of my voice on the paper. In so many ways, it was you who helped make that happen. You never pushed me to talk like lots of other people did. You said, writers cultivate silence. You said, you'll speak when you're ready. You said your writing is full of voice. So we can kind of see one of the reasons why Rachel really likes Mr. Fabiano because he kind of accepts her for who she is and, you know, tells her that her writing is her way to express herself. Sean. Once my father took me hunting and it was exciting. At the beginning of the year, Rachel told me she hates hunting. But I would never shoot an animal, except if a bear charged, because bears look friendly, but they can be real nasty. I don't want to go home after school. Not today. My father might still be there sleeping it off, so I can't watch TV unless I turn it way down low. Sometimes he's up, and that can be worse. Or if he's gone, Darlene is there, and sometimes she bothers me while I'm watching TV. Most times she's okay, but sometimes she says dumb things, and then I ignore her and go outside into the woods. I do that a lot. I go out into the woods, way back into the deepest woods. I doubt most people would dare go that, go that far deep as I go. I'm pretending I'm hunting. Sometimes I wish I had a dog that would come with me, but I'm not afraid to go out there alone. There are beautiful places in the woods, like rooms with high ceilings. You walk into a clearing and it feels like being in a room with trees all around and light coming through the windows. And it's quiet. Sometimes I take a nap back there. I think it would be a place I'd like to show Rachel sometimes, those rooms in the trees. We could walk around together, maybe sit down and eat a snack. I don't care how quiet she'd be. Who cares if she never says one word? So learning a little more about Sean too through his writing that, um, you know, kind of it tells a lot about his dream and, and why he dreamed that, that the woods are kind of his safe place to go. Jasmine. Karen thinks I should be a doctor when I grow up so that we could have a practice together. Dad thinks I should be an engineer. Freddie Labo says I'm pretty enough to be a model, but he's in the 11th grade and I can't tell if he's serious or kidding or just being fresh. 
What I really want to do is be a wife and a mother and stay at home with my kids. Some kids say that's a waste of time, but believe me, it's not. I love children, and I believe it's important to raise them right, especially in a world like ours. Being a good mother is a full-time job. I might even want to teach them myself, at home. Bastion Dear Mr. Fobb, today's my last day at school. I know I told you I'd be here on Monday, but Dad changed his mind, so we're going to Hawaii tomorrow morning. My puppy is getting shipped to Hawaii on the plane tonight. They have a special cage for him, and Mom has to give him special medicine so he'll sleep most of the flight. They're putting him in quarantine for four months. The military does that for all dogs who come to Hawaii and the rest from the rest of the U.S. It's a stupid rule, but Dad says there are no exceptions. At least I'll get to visit him every day when he's in quarantine. Since you're out today, I probably won't get to see you again. I know I wasn't exactly an angel in class, but I want to say you've been a good teacher. You never made me feel like an Air Force brat like some of the other teachers did. So we're kind of seeing a softer side of Bastion now. Missy. Tim said, we're like orphans. He was just kidding, but that made me think about a movie about how they started the boys town for runaway kids. There was one part that made me cry. When this boy was carrying his little brother on his back and a man asked, isn't he heavy? And the boy who was carrying the little boy answered, he's not heavy. He's my brother. I think today we are like orphans. Not always, but some. We have to help each other since we don't have any teacher to watch over us or even a sub. We're on our own. There's some writing time left, so I think I'll just copy the story list on the wall. Stories. One, are as unique as snowflakes. No two are exactly alike. Two, contain small details that often turn out to be important. Three, involve limits. Particular characters in a particular time and place. Four, put characters in difficult situations. Five, force characters to make moral choices. Six, contain a problem or conflict that often gets worse before it gets better. Seven, connect the ordinary with the extraordinary. Eight, usually contain a surprise or two. Nine, sometimes turn on a moment of silence. Ten, rarely turn out the way you expect. And that's where the chapter ends. Before you go, there's a lot in this chapter, even though it doesn't seem like it, especially in Missy's part. So the first part, she kind of tells this story about this thing she saw that made her um, you know, feel really emotional of seeing this this boy carry his little brother and say, he's not heavy, he's my brother. And she was saying that, you know, that kind of support of kind of sacrificing your own comfort for others to help each other is what they need to do today. And I think that is um, a little bit of foreshadowing. Foreshadowing is something authors use to give you hints about what's going to happen later in the story. And Missy's um, chapter really kind of feels like there's a lot of foreshadowing in there. So we talked last week about author's purpose. Authors, when they write things, they don't just imagine things and put them in. There's always a reason why things are there. So at first glance, you might go, oh, that's weird. They had Missy just write down the words from a poster on the wall. But what was the author's purpose for doing that? Well, he's describing all the elements of a story. And really what he's doing is, I think it's foreshadowing for what's going to happen later in the story. Some of these things we've already seen happen. 
So stories are unique. Well, he's telling the same story, but from like six different kids' perspectives. So we see everyone's unique point of view. Everyone's story within this story is unique. You know, number two contains small details that often turn out to be important. Well, we've already seen that happen. You know, the small detail of a stack of phone messages getting knocked over turned out to be a major detail for this story, a major reason why the entire story is unfolding. So then we have kind of these other things that we haven't come to pass yet, like involving limits. So characters put in something that's going to push them, difficult situations. And that's some foreshadowing. So things are probably going to get worse in this story, which is number six here. And it says the characters are going to be forced to make moral decisions. So it sounds like our characters are going to be put into a position where they're going to have to choose what is right and what is wrong. So we can look forward with some extraordinary things happening, some surprises, and things not really turning out the way we expect. So start thinking about where do you think this story is going to go? There's still quite a bit of book left, and I think we'll find some surprises. What do you think is going to happen?